We're just under a month away from Bucks basketball. The Packers got their first loss this season, while the Badgers remain undefeated. And the Milwaukee Brewers are making their second straight trip to the postseason. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bruce City Boys. That's at Bruce City Boys. You can also like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on our YouTube by searching Bruce City Boys. If you're liking what you're hearing, go give us a share. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and tell all your friends about how great we are. Keep up to date with our articles and our merch on our website, BrewCityBoys.com. Uh, we got a great podcast today for you guys. I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to Tundra Talk. September 29th, 2019. How's it going, Dom? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. Great Sunday of football here. It's pretty exciting this Sunday, actually. Yeah, dude, the Lions, dude. I'm getting kind of nervous about the Lions this season. When They're it comes looking to the solid. Their defense yeah, is looking solid. I know, and they played without uh, Darius Slay, who was like their best corner. So that was – and they yeah, Patrick Mahomes didn't throw a touchdown today. So that is – Yeah, they ran the ball you'll see a every lot. Day. They, mm-hmm. The Chiefs did, yeah. Um, did you see that little flip pass from Travis Kelsey to LaShawn McCoy? Yeah, that was insane. That was, that was cool. sick. I love yeah. watching that. that like, that's the nice thing about not having the Packers um, on Sundays. You can just sit back and enjoy. I mean, for me, I still had the Titans playing, mm-hmm. which was a great game. You know, Marcus just doing Marcus Mariota things. Oh, okay. Let's, yeah. let's calm down there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it was fun, you know? Yeah, um, it was a good. It's been a good Sunday so far. Yeah, we still got these games excited, going. Like the excited Bears. for the Cow- Cowboys games and yeah, and the Bears game. Excited for both these games coming up. So, yeah. but yeah, it's the Bears. I think our Bears are winning right now. Yeah, Fry. with Chase Daniel. Um, <laughs> yeah, Trubisky, Trubisky I, I think dislocated his shoulder or something like that. Which yeah, I'm not right. trying to say I like players getting injured, but that does bode well for the Packers. It bodes I mean, well Chase for the Dan- Packers. Chase and- Daniels is playing well, but. I mean, Chase Daniels, the, like the second Tom Brady in this league. Enough. He's just so good. I'm a, I'm actually a Chase Daniel fan, though. Like, I know I you know. are. I remember when he came in last year and you you liked how he played. I was, which, like, I mean, I he's not bad. I became a Bears fan immediately. Like, mm-hmm. if Chase Daniel starts against the Packers in the coming weeks, I will be conflicted. Shut your face, I swear to God. If you tweet anything about Chase Daniel on our Twitter account, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, so, well, let's just hop into back into our state sports. Um, True. We are 23 days away from the Bucks regular season. Yeah, dude, this came up. I, I feel like the NBA offseason's really short, or am I just, like, overthinking that? I, I can agree with you. I mean, the season ends, like, the regular season ends in April. Mm-hmm. Um... But, I mean, the finals don't conclude and until like, June. Exactly, yeah. And then they only get, like, what, three and a half months of break? Yeah, so that what gives you half of June, July, August, all uh-huh. of September. So that's three and a half months, and then October starts. Yeah, so um, that that's is... That's, like, fairly quick. It's that's a quick a turnaround. Quick turn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how, do you, how are you feeling about this Bucks roster now that it's out? Um, again, they look good on paper, but I... Obviously, I want to see them to start the season because obviously, yeah. like it could say one thing on paper, but if you don't do it in game or in person, it doesn't matter. 
in my opinion. Um, like, yeah. we added a bunch of key parts. We got Kyle Korver, Frank Mason, who I think is a good defensive point guard. I think he's going to fit well in the system. Um, but, yeah, we added we added Robin Lopez. Wesley Matthews. Vet. I really like the addition of Wesley. We got him for a steal, dude. I think yeah. we stole Wesley Matthews. He's And he's going to – he's looking at, like, the starter at shooting guard, the – Malcolm nice. Brogdon's uh, successor at that position. Yeah, that was the only position that I didn't know who would start because I thought, I really thought Dante DiVincenzo would like take a huge step his rookie year, but he was injured. Like I'm pretty sure the entire season. Um, but no, I, I love Wesley Matthews, seasoned veteran. I just like the way he plays. The Marquette he hits, man. Marquette man, and he's and he hits the three ball. And that's it's what the Bucks really D. need. That's all they need out of him. Mm-hmm. Giannis, uh, Wesley's guy's going to drop. I don't care who it is. Drops in. Um, uh, he's going to drop, defend Giannis, and he's just going to spray. We're going to see those arrows flying. Yeah, dude. It's, yeah, I'm excited about this season. I think that Giannis' shooting's gotten, from what I've been hearing, it's gotten better, which is good to hear. But, again, yeah, I have to see with, it in person. So. With Corver, right? Like. That's yeah, what the he's whole been, offense has been like. That's what the exactly. Corver acquisition has been essentially. Mm-hmm. He's just coaching Giannis. And even if Corver's only there for like a year, I mean, mm-hmm. him teaching Giannis how to shoot, like, come on, that's like one of the best three point shooters ever. Yeah. And that's like great for him to learn from just such one of the greatest shooters, which is what he needs to learn how to do is shoot because that's the main knock from every sports analyst. Not that he can't win or lead his team, or it's because all they talk about is a shooting. So building off of that, um, I don't remember who said it. Maybe it was Shannon Sharp. If it's Colin Cowherd, it's not as credible anymore. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, somebody said that they wouldn't. They would like to see him work more on his post work. And I I would too. I didn't even really think about that. If you think about how Giannis plays, he just kind of like pushes his way down there. Gets he's been uh, towards the end of the season. He was called for offensive fouls, especially in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. He kept getting called for offensive fouls down there. Um, and then he would shoot like some of these shots are kind of ugly and he'd grab yeah. the board and the, like, that's what makes him good is he's able to just get his own rebound constantly, mm-hmm. um, off it. But if you think about like, what if he just gets that finesse move, those finesse moves, like the, the dream shake or something down there, just a signature yeah. that he can do. So it's a, like a higher percentage shot that he's already taking. Yeah. And I think that, I think that a good thing that possibly the offense could run this year is possibly like him and him and Brooks switching from going into the post in and out in and out in and out throughout the game because that just screws up the defense because they both because Giannis if what we're hearing right is he's getting better at shooting so they're gonna have to both guard the perimeter and Brook obviously Splash Mountain can shoot mm-hmm. and he's and before he was a shooter in Brooklyn he averaged like twenty points in the paint so he can obviously play post so I think that if they can put both those guys in the if Giannis can work on his post game. And Brooke goes back to playing post for a little bit, like he did in Brooklyn. That could be like a dynamic duo down below, and yeah. that would you know how many rebounds we would average with that duo down there. A lot, a lot yeah, of rebounds. that, and like if not even just limited to that. Um, it would th- be a good way to slow the game down for Milwaukee. You know, they yeah. play they play a lot of transition ball, mm-hmm. keeping the ball moving up the floor. If they're able to develop, they like that, the fast break. Yeah, yeah. They, if they're able to develop a like an offense with through Brook, because Brooks, he played a lot of perimeter last year. If they're able to mm-hmm. work it into a system where they're actually working plays, that's not a Giannis isolation or Eric Bledsoe yeah. iso even. 
um, they'll be able to slow the game down a little bit, maybe control control the game momentum, time of possession, like yeah, all those key I stats that um, come through with it as well. Yeah, I think that always slowing down the pace of the offense is a good thing because then it's not so sloppy. Because I, I used to get really pissed off when the Bucks would just pass it twice and put up a three. Like, that just irritated me. I like uh-huh. them to work the ball around a little bit more and just keep and just keep the pace. Because you don't have to shoot it right away. Just keep the ball moving. That's all. You uh-huh. don't have to shoot it right away. Yeah. So, with that, we'll just talk about um, ESPN released his top 100 players on it. And, and all the analysts are pooping themselves over it because they completely disagree. But... Yeah, there's a lot I disagree with. Like, James Harden is four? Yeah. He shouldn't, he shouldn't even be on the list. <laughs> All right, that's enough. R- Riley hates James Harden, and I'm not a big fan of him either. He's like um, the worst player on the but... in the league. <laughs> just today, but... he's like, my shots, they aren't travels. They're, I'm just creating yeah, opportunity. I'm, you're did... creating new rules for yourself? Is exactly, yeah. No, you're traveling. I, I didn't understand. Yeah, that just that's just him being arrogant, in my opinion. Like, people are calling him out for, like, trap like you're clearly trying i've what i've been wa- i've played basketball and i've been watching basketball for quite a bit and i'm not an expert on it but i think i know from someone who used to have a problem traveling in games and riley can contest to this i i mm-hmm. think i know what a travel is and you were just um, squaring up you weren't tiptoeing away so exactly you, made sure you were behind the three-point line yeah um but no but espn released this top 100 list and number one is our boy greek freak and I think what people what people are getting mad about is they're saying, oh, LeBron isn't number one. I think this list is like, you have to put the MVP number one, in my opinion, because he's the MVP. If, if say, if Russell, was, if Russell Westbrook won the MVP, he might not be first, but he'd be second just because of the way he plays. His play style is different from Giannis. Like, Giannis led his team to their first Eastern Conference Finals. It's not based on points and stuff like that. And that's what... The analysts were mad, but I was like, this dude can't even shoot, and he's number one? It's not based on that. It's based off of last season and the predictions going into this season. They're not saying he's, like, possibly the best player. Well, they obviously are saying that. But, like, it's just going into this season who they think is going to be, like, probably possibly beneficial for their team. At least that's how I think they did it. Yeah. But I could be wrong. I but. think I thought that the number one player was going to be um, Kawhi. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing that LeBron. I mean, Giannis is number one. I think that he is. If he isn't the best player in the world this year, he is the second best player. And I think yeah. Kawhi is the only one who's ahead of him now that Kawhi is a healthy, um, insane ball player on both sides. Just an absolute yeah. force. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't disagree with Giannis being number one. I I see also, why people are. I see why people are upset yeah. with that. Like, I don't think LeBron is the best player anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you look at last season, like, yeah, he was injured, but when he did play, he just doesn't play basketball anymore. You know? Yeah, he hardly plays defense. He I mean, I love, I love LeBron. I think he's one of the best to ever play, and he's he's been consistent these last few years. He's averaging like twenty six, six and six. But I mean, what Jan, Everybody just. Just does not give Giannis credit. That's what I see. That's what it seems like. Giannis just doesn't get credit because he can't shoot. The dude averages twenty eight points in the paint, and he can't. He doesn't shoot. Why yeah. would you shoot? 
Oh, man. Exactly. That just bothers me. Yeah, like, Shaq even said that this dude's, like, better than me at that age. Like, Shaq, the most dominant player in the in NBA history, <laughs> said that about Giannis. And we're saying, just get off him, all right? Just leave him. <laughs> I'm just getting so fed up with it. I'm just, I'm just so irritated with him saying that he can't shoot. doesn't matter. He's averaging points. They're winning games. He's assisting his teammates. He's getting people open. What else do you want? Like, who cares if he can't shoot? I don't care if he never takes a jump shot. If he gets 30 dunks a game, I don't care. I don't care. I'm so sick of it, man. And I think that's just the main reason why they don't think he should be number one. It's because he can't shoot, and they just don't think that's why he should be number one. It just pisses me off. Sorry, I just had to go on a rant there for a second. (laughs) I mean, I don't disagree. Like, uh, following up with his counterpart, number 36, is Chris Middleton. The guy can shoot. Why does mm-hmm. he need to shoot if, if he's got teammates that can for him? Yeah. And that's what the whole thing with the Bucks is, is they built around this. Mm-hmm. Like, they know Giannis can't shoot. But, I mean, we're still waiting on this season. He might be able to shoot this season. I don't Who cares? Giannis and even is the if he goes up by like 2%, games. it's a win. If yeah. he goes up by 2% from three-point range, that's a win-win this season. We're yeah. not looking for him to shoot. We're not looking for him to shoot threes. If his, The one thing I want him to approve on is his mid-range because that's, re- that's the only reason shot that I think he should be taking at a high level is mid-range shots because he can just pull up over anyone. Three-point is fine. And he, he shakes him because the defenders are sagging off him so far because they know he's going to drive. Mm-hmm. Just off yeah, the dribble so. and one dribble on the elbow, you should be able to pull up and hit that. Exactly. Which yeah. had, it did improve from the previous season to his MVP year. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that's the only Massive. That's the only thing I'd want to see him improve on with his shooting. But yeah, but you guys have like Middleton and then Third in the list is that Bledsoe. He was at 67, and Bledsoe might not. He struggled shooting. He struggled shooting in the early in the playoffs and late in the playoffs. Throughout the whole playoffs, the playoffs. he struggled yeah, shooting. He was, yeah, he was, he was absent. pissing me off. Yeah. He was absent from the playoffs. Um, but Bledsoe can, if most of the time he can knock it down, but he does go through some stretches where he can't shoot. So, like, when you have all these weapons, and then if we're just going to dive into it, Brooke at number 80 in the list, and Bledsoe was at 67. Like, Brooke is one of the best big men who can shoot the three in the game. Like, why? I just don't understand the whole concept of them wanting him to shoot better at the three. He's working on it. He wants to get better at shooting it. Mm-hmm. Look at Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has not made a three-pointer. Has not made a three-pointer <laughs> in his NBA career. And they're not talking – And well, they do talk about him not being able to shoot. That's one of his – that's probably – that's his biggest knock. Not probably. It is his yeah. biggest knock. But the dude is a, he's an all-star. He led his team to the playoffs with Joel Embiid. And yet we're just yelling at him because he can't shoot. I'm not a big fan of Ben Simmons because I just don't like the way he plays. But can't knock his talent, and he can't knock Giannis's because he's doing what he needs to do, and he's doing what he needs to do to win games. And mm-hmm. that's all that counts. So, yeah. Let's take that, then. We're going to move on from basketball. It's not the season yet. Let's go right into baseball. Milwaukee. Here we go. Postseason Tuesday. Brew crew, baby. Brew crew, baby. Uh, Milwaukee had the chance. They had the opportunity to uh, to take to the division. They played the Rockies this weekend. Games one and two, they needed to win. They lost them both. <laughs> Games one and two for Cubs at Cardinals. Cubs pulled it off. If the Brewers would have won one of these games, 
they would have tied for the division and for- forced a game 163 if they would have won the rest of the games, mm-hmm. mind you. But they didn't do it. That's fine. We don't need to play. Uh, we don't need to win the division. We're in the wild card. Exactly. Yeah. Going to Washington. Um, not limping. Mm-hmm. That's one of the great things is we're not well, limping into the postseason. Well, isn't I? S- how is Ryan Braun gonna play? Because I saw that he got injured. He. They said so. It's a calf strain. They mm-hmm. said he should be available for games after this weekend. Okay. Well, that's good because he's the weekend crucial off. Yeah. part. Crucial. And the team's been fighting injuries, too. So, like, Moose has, has elbow soreness. Um, Braun with his calf injury. Kane, um, he collided with the catcher yesterday. Uh, he snagged a, snagged a home run today. That snagged was a, a home run. Beautiful play. Uh-huh. Um, and Eric Thames is battling, like, hamstring soreness. So okay. They're... The team's limping into the postseason, but certainly after the September, they secured it mm-hmm. just fine, winning like 18 of their last 22 games. I just want to say the fact that the Brewers had a chance at winning the division, considering the way the season ended, is just phenomenal in my opinion. That's just so Absolutely. good in my opinion. Like, because considering, well, you had the Bron- you have the Braun injury now, obviously the Yelich injury, and then like you just said, Moose injured Kane. Like the fact that they even had a chance at winning and the division is great. Everything else, though, too. Everything else, from Jeremy mm-hmm. Jeffress, Corey Knebel to Jesus Aguilar, um, Travis Shaw debacle. Everything. Brent Suter mm-hmm. not for the most of the season, not available most of the season because of Tommy John surgery. Uh, the starting pitching staff just absolutely sucking. Yeah. For a while, this ball club has faced so much. The fact mm-hmm. that they're able to get into the postseason. Hopefully, take take the Nationals. Take, do you think what What do you think are the odds that they give me a percentage out of a hundred percent? I'm mm-hmm. going forty seven. Forty seven. That's not bad. The That's Nationals, really not. The Nationals have really proved something after losing Harper last year. I think they had a, mm-hmm. played this season with a chip on their shoulder. Um, really coming out. So I'm not I'm not counting anybody out. I'm not counting anybody in. I'm giving the Brewers a sixty percent chance because we got heart. We got heart. I mean, That's the what we have. Wild cards, one game <laughs> wins it all. Anything yeah, can happen on any given day. I'm jacked for it. You already I'm know really Craig Council is going to come in, use every pitcher for every inning. Mm-hmm. Everybody, Jordan Lyles. <clears throat> excuse me. I'd love to see Fat Albers out there in the wild card. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, another good thing that came out of the Brewers thing, uh, the season concluding today. Christian Yelich, the yeah. 2019 NL batting champion. That's awesome. That's even, awesome. Even though and, he's injured, still and I saw that. And I saw that Yasmani Grandal hit his, I think, career high in home runs this year with 28 today. So that was cool to yeah. see as well. 28. Um, he also, I believe, broke the Brewers' record for catchers drawing walks with over 100, like unintentional walks, mm-hmm. um, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah, dude. Well. I'm just proud of this Brewers team and how they just banded together after the Yelich injury and just went 13 and two. I think it was in the last like what in September they went Not like 13. September. And... They went. They started 13 and two in oh, September. Okay. They're like they're like 19 and five. Oh, 13 and two since the Yelich injury. That's yeah. what it was. 
like they just were on fire. There, everybody was bound in. It was hashtag do it for Yelly. Just yeah, just, it was just a for the fan you know, base too, and that was awesome. Exactly, yeah. It was a great end of the season, and I'm proud of what they did and how they just binded together and and made it to the postseason end because that's what this fan base really needed is just for them to just keep pushing and fighting through, mm-hmm. which was great to see. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's great. Love the Brewers. We're gonna we might release like a episode 12 and a half this earlier this week after the wild card game should the brewers advance mm-hmm. make it we'll watch the game we're going to release something for you guys cuz because it is the postseason it deserves a little something extra you know so. yeah mm-hmm. so with that we're going to move on to the Wisconsin Badgers who beat Northwestern uh yesterday 24-15 and i can say that that was a, I don't want to call it piss poor. What would you call it, Dom? Um, below average showing by the offense. Below average. Very, be- very below unexciting, average. Unexciting, um, unexpected mm-hmm. out of the offense. Yeah. Um, Jack Cohn was 15 for 24, 113 yards, zero touchdowns, didn't even have a rushing one. And he had a pick, which was a very awful interception. Threw it way too, threw it short of the receiver down the middle and got picked off by the safety. Um, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor played well, but he didn't play Jonathan Taylor well. Yeah, if you know what I mean. He, he didn't assert himself. He's yeah. He seemed like he, an average running back in this. He team. seemed he seemed like an NFL running back going up against. He seemed like a good NFL running back. You know what I mean? Like they get like. 20 plus carries over a hundred and like a hundred yards. Like that's a good day for an NFL running back, yeah. but for a college running back, especially for a Heisman the way- hopeful. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Taylor only, he had 26 carries for 119 yards and one touchdown. And he also had three catches for 15 yards, which is not bad at all. That's a great game statistically. But if you watch the game, like he just couldn't, he, he had a few holes that opened up and he got, 13 yards here 10 yards there but he just couldn't seem to break loose for that one big play that we all were just waiting for like he has done all season and it was just tough and the offense was just stagnant and they just kept trying to rely on him i felt like to try to get things going and jack Cohn didn't play well either like no. i said like his passes were piss poor like he's just throwing them beat he couldn't he didn't want to take shots down the field and when he did he just overthrew him or threw a pick or underthrew him yeah like yeah uh, he, I remember he threw a ball down to Quintez Cephas, and it was—it wasn't—it was short, but like he didn't have the arm. He, I think, he was trying to throw it outside of the receiver to give him a better chance, but he could not mm-hmm. get it there in time. Yeah. So I think if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for the Badgers defense, this team would have lost. This yeah. team would have lost this game. Uh, the Badger defense showed up and showed out. They had five sacks. They had 14 tackles for a loss. They had one pick, they had a forced fumble, and they had two touchdowns, which is literally the only reason the Badgers won. Yeah. Um, but no, this defense, the defense was dominant as the offense struggled, and that was the whole game. The defense would, would just shut out Northwestern. I'm pretty sure the, the starting quarterback, before he got injured, had like 29 yards passing, and it was going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like, that's that's insane. You can't do he that. He got that's it going a- with his legs, though. <laughs> he did, yeah. He, he did, did get start it getting it going with his legs. Um... um uh, the defense was dominant and the offense struggled. 
that's kind of like for this, I'd take two big takeaways for this outside of like within the team, you know, Mm -hmm. the non-controllables, I'll call them. Uh, I think Jonathan Taylor hurt his case for the Heisman. Yeah. I think this was like he needed to be dominant today mm -hmm. because Jalen Hurts is balling, you know. Oh, yeah, dude. He had like five touchdowns on Saturday. And he had six touchdowns in his first week. Like Jalen Hurts, no matter who's he who he plays, he's dominant. He has he has eighteen touchdowns for the first four weeks. Yeah, I think Taylor has eleven. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, Jalen Hurts is a quarterback. Yeah, those touchdowns are come easier, arguably. Yeah. But Taylor, like, Jalen Hurts is always dominant. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor has been dominant these first three weeks. Mm-hmm. And you just like have to keep up that dominance. He came up. I understand that Northwestern always plays Wisconsin tough. I understand that they're always like it's never an easy game when Wisconsin plays Northwestern, especially when Wisconsin plays old school, smash mouth, run the ball football. Mm. Like it's not easy, but I like Taylor. I I don't know how to criticize him, you know, because he did have a good game yeah. yesterday. Well, like, when you can't take it down, but when you go out and you're you have a you have this stat line. This stat line right here that I had yesterday in the first quarter against, and our, I understand that they were overrated and overranked, but the 11th ranked Michigan, mm-hmm. you know, the same stat line, you, you played 60 minutes of football yesterday. Yeah. You and should you be can't, able to produce against this Northwestern defense. Mm-hmm. You can't be like a Heisman hopeful and like, because the first three weeks it was all the headlines were like, oh, Jonathan Taylor shines with 3 million yards, 500 touchdowns, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. But then this fourth week it was like, oh, oh, Badgers defense dominates Northwestern with two touchdowns and a pick six, and so what you can't. I'm not saying that he, that he shouldn't be considered for the Heisman because he absolutely should be, he, and he I will be. But mm-hmm. like this is going to be a game that they're going to look back at and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, kind mm-hmm. of struggled here, and Jalen, this guy <laughs> didn't really, yeah, struggle and at Jaylen, all this year, and and Jalen Hurts is, I probably on the path towards like 40 touchdowns this season probably even more than even that even more probably um but no yeah this they won that's good i'm glad they won go and next week they play kent state which should be a fairly easy game kent state isn't ranked i don't know how well they've been playing this year um but again these are unranked opponents these are the games we have to keep winning um because if we're gonna have any chance at beating ohio state or purdue or any of these big names you have to win these games like Kent State. Yeah. So hopefully hopefully, if Taylor can go for like 300 yards this game and like five <laughs> touchdowns, maybe then he'll raise his stock back up for the for the Heisman. Exactly. Um, the other thing no, that this, I'm worried about this Northwestern game doing, though, is damaging the future odds of Wisconsin making the playoff, you know? Yeah, that's true, because they might look at being like, oh, they only won by nine to Northwestern. uh, This Northwestern game, it wasn't really that, like, competitive. Mm -hmm. Like, or not competitive. It wasn't, they didn't really show out against a team that isn't ranked. Like, it was more difficult than it should have been. And a lot, like, you know, it probably won't be that big of a deal when it comes down to it. But I think Mm -hmm. you need to have these dominant performances against. against These bad teams. They're not, I mean, Northwestern's not bad. Yeah, these, sub, these average, sub-average. Teams, yeah. These average teams. Like, Wisconsin's an elite team, mm-hmm. and they, they just need to prove it. I think that if they can, if Wisconsin can keep going undefeated and they beat Ohio State, 
I think there should be no reason why they shouldn't be considered and for Iowa. the playoffs. And Iowa, Ohio State yeah. And Iowa. Mm-hmm. And Ohio so, State had a great showing yesterday. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Ohio State went into Nebraska. And just completely abolished them. football game day and just went up 28-7 in the first quarter. Yeah. Went to town on them. And you have another Heisman hopeful there in Justin Fields, who's playing out of his mind for that team. And J.K. Dobbins, the running back for that team. Possibly yeah. the best dynamic duo in football right now. Uh, in college football. Um, so, yeah, you just the Badgers just need to keep taking advantage. They need to take, keep taking advantage of these sub-average teams and just dominate. And Jonathan Taylor just needs to keep dominating if he wants to have a chance to win the Heisman, which I think he does. But he's got to keep dominating. Otherwise, he's not gonna he's gonna lose that chance real soon. And I know he doesn't want that because I yeah. know he's I know he wants to win that trophy. Yeah. So we'll get we'll keep up with Kent State, but for now, the Green Bay Packers. Oh man. <laughs> um. All right. So the Packers played Thursday night. At Lambeau against the Eagles, they lost 34 to 27, and they are now three and one on the season. Our main issue, right, with the Packers was that the offense just was inconsistent through the first three weeks. They were inconsistent, and they just couldn't play. And I think that in this Eagles game, they started to get momentum, and we were, and I was like, oh, dude, our offense is getting momentum, and our defense is good. This is gonna be an easy win. But that was not the case. Um, Aaron Rodgers played a hell of a game, though. He was 34 for 53, had 422 yards. He had two touchdowns. He had that interception at the end of the game, which was bogus. Um, bogus. That's what I'm. I'll say that that was bogus. Bogus interception. Interception uh, missed pass interference. Exactly. Obviously. Yeah. Which we'll get to that. Um, he also. What I did love to see from Aaron Rodgers is a lot of people were shitting on him for his run game. Like, oh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't leave the pocket anymore. He doesn't like to run. And then I saw in an interview before the game with Aaron Andrews, he's like, I like to run. I want to run. I just haven't seen any holes. Um, But he definitely saw some holes in this game. He ran five times for 46 yards, which is crazy. And he led the team in rushing, which is sad. Which is Um, disappointing, yeah. uh, Because Aaron Jones only had 13 carries for 21 yards and a touchdown. Should have had three touchdowns, which we'll get to later. Should have had three. But the main the main guy that I was looking to pop out this season is a guy that has popped out the last like two years is Devontae Adams. They wanted to feed him, and he wanted to eat. Um, he had 105 yards in the first quarter, in the first quarter, and he had 150 at the end of the half. Um, so he had he had 10 catches for 180 yards and 15 targets. And he had it was a career high in receiving yards. And but he did leave the game with turf toe, which really scared me because turf toe is like a serious and not a serious injury, but it can be nagging throughout the whole season. And I know that when I, I, I was listening to Skip and Shannon and Eric Dickerson was on the show and he talked about how he had turf toe and he had to get like this thing specially made for him for the rest of the season, of his career. And he said it really like helped him out his career and like he had to get injections in his toe and things like that. And I was like, Oh God, that's just nasty. Um, but no, it, there was reports, I think, a few hours after the game that it wasn't serious and he shouldn't miss much time, if any. So that's great because obviously we need him. Um, so that was fine. The offense played the offense played well, in my opinion, right? I don't know about I what you I think the thinking. offense played fantastic. I thought it was what we were waiting for. 
Um, let me rephrase that, though. I thought the pass offense was fantastic. The rush offense, granted, you lose Jamal Williams to that cheap shot early Don't on. Don't get me started um, on that BS. But I, Aaron Jones is garbage. Yeah. yeah, he had a touchdown, but what, he had 30-something yards? And mm-hmm. he, he played a crucial role in the pass game as well. 21 yards rushing. 21 yards rushing. It's, it was bad. Mm-hmm. And I think he needs to be better. He's a small back. Mm-hmm. Like he's a small guy. He had uh, a few good catches for, I think, like yeah. probably 20 or 30 yards, which was good to see. But we don't need that from him. We need that from our receivers. Yeah. Um, he's got to step up in this in this rush game because – if you can't get the run game going, you can't get the pass game going exactly, for most yeah. of the time. Luckily, the Packers were able to get that mm-hmm. going. Um, and like for some reason, the Eagles were biting on the play action. Still, yeah. I don't understand that. They're but and they were able. They were still able to get to Aaron Rodgers when he dropped back. But the Packers' offensive line really held true. Um, able to the dominate. offensive line played phenomenal. Yeah. I am so proud of the offensive line. Brian Balaga got injured in the game, and Alex Light came in. Looked like there was no change. It looked great. I loved it, mm-hmm. and that was one of my main concerns um, coming into the season. And I was like, "Oh, our offensive line. We have good players, but they're aging." Brian Balaga has been hurt the last few years. He he plays, but he plays hurt. And I was wondering. I was like, "Oh man, I don't know how this offensive line." But no, the offensive line played very well. Um, they did allow Mercedes. Well, that's not even on the Mercedes Lewis. Allowed Derek Barnett, who shouldn't have been in the game, should have gotten ejected for hitting Jamal Williams. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't even been in the game. But um, he, Derek Barnett got around Mercedes Lewis and forced a fumble on Aaron Rodgers, and the Eagles just like took advantage of that. That changed the game. That was the game. Like that was the game. Like changed. That was like the game. That was the momentum shift that the Eagles just completely that dude just gained. They just gained so much momentum off of that, and the Packers. I felt like just mm-hmm. kind of fell down and died after that. A little bit, a little bit. They lost a little bit of their hope, in my opinion. Yep. Um, but let's talk about another thing. The defense played like trash. They played like trash. Um, a defense that we thought was possibly the best in the league had 12 sacks going into this game and led the league in turnovers with eight. They had zero sacks on Thursday night, and they had zero turnovers. And they, I think they only knocked down Carson. They only hit Carson Wentz like twice. They got no pressure mm-hmm. on him. And give, I'm going to give the Eagles line de- credit because throughout the season their offensive line has been struggling for some reason. They, I don't know why they have like three Pro Bowlers, but for whatever reason they've been struggling. And they stepped up. They really did. They really stepped up and they played well against our good pass rush. But another thing is, oh my God, right? Our run defense is awful, it dude. It was. That was the worst. Oh, it's so Why bad. Why would Chicago trade Howard? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And not even... I mean, Jordan Howard played a great game. He had three touchdowns. But Miles Sanders, dude. Yeah. Miles Sanders was eating our, our run defense alive. And I think right, I think I knew, I knew it was bad, but I was just blinded by it because of all the sacks and the turnovers. Because if you look at the last two games, all right, so you give up over 100 yards to the to the Broncos... Then you give up like 150 yards to the Vikings. And then obviously the Bears game that no offense was playing well. So that doesn't really count. But other than that, I think this defense is good. But this run defense is just horrible, dude. It's just awful. And the pack, if the Packers allowed 176 rushing yards to the Eagles, imagine 
what Ezekiel Elliott is going to do to them next week. Just imagine that, dude. He, We could witness an NFL... I'm talking 350 yards. <laughs> Minimum. Maybe... Okay, now I'm getting a little bit out of proportion here. But, dude, this they're not going to win games like this, Rye. They, they are not going to win games. I think that's going to show a lot more with Scheme, though, too. Yeah, like I suppose. I, as like you, they, so they won games, and the defense have won those f- first few games mm-hmm. for this like Packers offense that was just lackluster. Um, I think now that you know the offense is getting together, um, I think Mike Pettin is gonna like throw in different schemes now. Maybe be able to stop the defense a little more. I mean, stop the rush a little more. Um, and I think that comes a lot with uh, what they're going to show as a defense and how they're going to attack. Now that the offense is moving, I think the defense is going to change to a little more strategic, maybe even get a little more risky. Yeah, you I know, agree. I think the defense plays it safe. Um, mm-hmm. I think the defense can go and try to make a little more plays now that they know that they're not going to need to allow zero points. You know, they can they can allow the offense to score a little bit, but now that our offense is moving, I think mm-hmm. the scheme's going to change quite a bit. And I haven't really seen a whole lot of blitzes come from the Packers defense. I mean, obviously with the set, we've had twelve sacks, but a lot of those sacks have just come from like coverage yeah, sacks, just like straight pass rush. The, exactly. the secondary playing well, and the mm-hmm. like the edges just getting time. Yeah, so I just I just want to see some like nano blitzes and just like straight up all out blitzes because I think if we can force. Everybody's talking about how no oh, Doug Prescott's an MVP candidate, and you know what? That's fine. I don't care. You can yeah, exactly. You can say whatever you want. I I if there was a team, I will never cheer for the Cowboys to win a game ever, ever. I don't care if it's to, I don't care if the Packers are on the verge of making a playoffs and the Cowboys need to to win in order for them to make. I will never cheer for the Cowboys. I don't care. Um. Anyways, I don't. Like people are talking about Dak Prescott being an MVP, and that's fine. But I think if we put a lot of pressure on him and force him to make passes that he's not going to feel comfortable with, then I think we can win this game. I really do. I think we can. I think we can force him to make horrible passes because he's just going to try to force feed it to, um, to Amari Cooper, and we get to face off against Randall Cobb. But we'll talk about we'll talk about the Cowboys in a second. I want to keep talking about this Packers game really quick. Another the defense played awful, but the play calling, the play calling, was <laughs> it was Carroll esque. It was Pete Carroll esque. Um, and what I'm talking about, and if you guys watch the game, the Packers had two. <laughs> oh, this hurts me to talk about it. The Packers had two drives that were on the Eagles one yard line, on the Eagles one yard line, and we. You want to know how many times we gave Aaron Jones the ball on the one-yard line through both of those drives combined? Once. We gave Aaron Jones the ball one time. We threw the ball seven times combined on the one-yard line. Like, oh my god. That was dry. Aaron Jones should have had three touchdowns. And we could have won that game 41-34. to Oh. The play calling, and I know that Matt LaFleur talked about it after the game, and he was like, you know, when he said a summary of what he said, he's like, you know, when you have a great quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you know, you just kind of let a, you just kind of give him the reins in those situations. No, Matt, you (laughs) grab the offense by the balls, and you choose the play. You choose the play. 
And maybe, you know what, maybe he told Aaron, you know what, throw it four times. And you know what, if that's the case... Then, then Matt LaFleur is a bad coach, and that's what I've been saying all along. Yes. Then, then you know what, then I understand that. But don't be coming up here saying, you know, Aaron, you know, is one of the great... No. You choose the play, and you do what you think is right is going to win this game. You give us a little halfback drop the middle. Let Aaron I know. Jones tiptoe his way. Like, the first touchdown, that was a little scary. Yeah, yeah. Like, Aaron, like, I thought that... I Actually, I thought he got hurt. Like, mm-hmm. that's how awkward of a play it was. But honestly, if you give Aaron Jones two touches, not, I guarantee you neither of those touches would be for lo- a loss. Exactly. One of them yeah. is going to end up in the end zone. And even even if you run it on the final on the final drive, you run it three times and you don't get in, then you can pass it. But because then you could say, oh, you know what? We tried three times in a row to run it into the end zone and it didn't work. So now, I mean, if we try to run it again, they're gonna know we're gonna do that. So then you can throw it, because then then people won't be. I wouldn't have been so upset then, because I was just so upset because they only gave him the ball one time and it's Aaron Jones. The dude's not. I mean, he's small, but he can run people over. Like he's a tough or dude. Or just slip past him, like exactly, he literally yeah. did on the first, his first touchdown, his only touchdown of the night. Mm-hmm. Or you don't even have to give him the Aaron Jones the ball and do a quarterback sneak, do a quarterback sneak with Aaron Rodgers. It's not like he's, it's not like he's never done that. It's not like he's never done a quarterback sneak for a touchdown. Oh man, yeah, that was probably the most frustrating. Was just there was a lot of other. Well, the defense was frustrating, but I think. When you get on the goal line twice and you have a chance to win the game with how bad the defense played and you don't score a touchdown on either of those, that's disgraceful in my opinion. And that's what pissed me off the most was that we couldn't get it on the one-yard line. That's what really made me mad. And on the final play of the game, can we talk about the pass interference, please? We can talk about officiating the whole the whole time. They had that one oh pass interference wow. on MVS that literally was the what they use when they do NFL officiating training. And, and like, Avante Maddox like pushed half of his helmet off his head. Yeah, that's like, it's what literally the what they show. You're not making a play for the ball. You just got a hand up in his face or something. And it's mm-hmm. that is past they use that as an example. They there was one of those on Gronk like two seasons ago. And that is what they use as an example of like side by side it is the exact same play. Yeah, dude. I and he had and they pass interfered on MVS twice, right? Yeah. Twice. And, and the they one didn't call that was, it once. The one that was going to win the game, or tie the game, excuse me. The one that was going to tie the game for the Packers, that was the worst. He was wrapped exactly. up. There's a picture of him. Both arms. from Behind, behind his back. Behind <laughs> his back, had his, had his hands in the guy's elbows so he couldn't pick his hands up to make a catch. And he almost caught and it with his cross. People are blowing Aaron Rodgers for that. I know, exactly. The ball hit him in the chest. Straight in the chest and bounced up and got picked. And and in my opinion, I don't count tipped interceptions as if it's tipped by like a receiver. Like if it bounces through their hands and it gets intercepted, I personally don't consider that a pick because that should be caught. But that ball should that ball should have been caught. That and it ball should have been... been caught. It's not a pick. It's exactly. A first, yeah. It's a first down with the ball at the one yard line. That's what exactly. that ball is. And that would have been a touchdown Maybe. if it wasn't passing. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And it would if they a... would have given the ball to Aaron Jones, that's a whole other thing. Hmm. That we just went through. <laughs> yeah. But no, to sum up the sum up the game, the Packers need to fix their run defense. Devontae Adams needs to get back, needs to play against the Cowboys. And the play calling just needs to be smarter on Matt LaFleur's part. We can't have two one-yard line stands against the Eagles and not score a single touchdown. That's ridiculous. I, that, I just don't understand that. 
So we just need to play smarter, and that's it. End of story. All yeah. right. But let's talk about. So we chose a game. We cha- we chose our game changer for this game, and it was Aaron Rodgers. I think we both can agree he showed up, and he played well. He did exactly what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. The two turnovers, one of them was valid, the fumble. The other one wasn't, and I thought he played well. Um, so moving on from that, let's let's preview. We talked a little bit about the Cowboys game already. Like we said, they have to stop the run game, otherwise Zeke's going to go for an NFL record five thousand yards. Lots of <laughs> weapons on that Cowboys team. Yeah, that off, the offensive side of the ball specifically. Mm-hmm. And we're playing against former Packer Randall Cobb. So that should be interesting to see how he'll, how he's going to be facilitated and see how it, he's probably been telling the Cowboys stuff. There's no doubt. But no I doubt mean, how, like, all oh, you yeah, can true. give him is the defensive scheme, really. True. Matt yeah, LaFleur has a whole system. new system. True. I didn't think about that. Good point, Ryan. Good point. But let's pick our game changers for next week. You already know mine. Mine's the, mine's the defensive line. They got to stop the run. They got to stop the run. And if they don't, we're going to get blown out in this game because Zeke's going to eat. And he's gonna eat, and it's gonna piss me off seeing him do that stupid eat symbol in the end zone. <laughs> so my mine's, my game changer is the defensive line. Mine's Mike Pettin. I think it all comes down to what you're gonna show, how you can disguise your different coverages, your packages, who's gonna drop back in coverage when you got eight guys lined up in the box, or just straight up on the line of scrimmage when you got five or six guys up there. I think that's gonna be the difference maker. I agree. You, don't, you, I give, really do. you show you show some you show Dak Prescott one thing, but you're actually giving him another. I think making him think like that, seeing what he's going to do, pressuring that offense into making plays. I think that's what's going to matter the most. Mm-hmm. That's my game changer, is Mike Pettin, and forcing Amari Cooper to make tough catches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to wrap it up for the week this week. Uh, you're listening to Tundra Talk. We got new episodes coming out at 8 p.m. every Sunday. Make sure you follow us on all our socials. Don't be stupid. Press that follow button on Insta, Twitter, and like us on Facebook, also on YouTube. And also go to our website. We have merch up there, hats, T-shirts, everything. Um, and also look at some of our articles. We write. We try to come out with articles at least twice a week. More than that, actually, sometimes, because we try to do recaps of the game and previews of the game. And we're, right, we're probably going to be covering the Brewers this week, right? For the yeah, postseason, we, we got plenty of Brewers coverage coming up with this postseason run. Um, we we got plenty of original content on our page, um, original opinions. Everything's authentic, Brew City boys. So keep up with us. We'll come out with a new episode next week. Uh, you're listening to Tundra Talk. See you later.